Hello BitPickers and welcome to episode 15 of BitPicking, the software engineering podcast. I am Mark. I'm Greg. Hello Greg. Hi Mark. This week we spoke with Matt Northam, who is a fed from RedWeb. We find out what it's like to be a front-end developer in modern times. Yeah, we find out how Wu-Tang Clan has influenced his career. And we get to find out Matt's favourite hex colour. Stay tuned, listeners. Let's go. Welcome, Matt. Welcome to BitPicking. Thanks for joining us today. Hope you're doing all right. Yeah, really good. Thank you. Uh, yeah, pleased to be here. Looking forward to it. Yeah, cool. We've got some uh, great questions for you today, but why don't we start off? If you just introduce yourself so our listeners know who you are and what you do and that sort of thing. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so my name is Matt Northam. I'm a lead front-end developer uh, at RedWeb uh, here in Bournemouth. Um, I've been doing I've been there for three years. Prior to that, I used to work uh, at university. Um, as a front-end developer, but also as a teacher, effectively, demonstrator, sort of teaching people okay. how to code, how to build things. Um, yeah, I've kind of uh, been doing this now for probably about, I don't know, getting on for 20 years, on and off since my first website. I feel like it's become a bit of a, an addiction. Do you, do you <laughs> remember your first website? I do, yeah, distinctly. Um, it was a, uh, a Wu-Tang-themed fan site back in the days when you had page counters and uh, it was on like Angel Fire. Like, oh, I think right. it was oh, an Angel Fire thing. So this is like mid-90s. Yeah, stuff, oh right? yeah. yeah so, I, had, I was on GeoCities. Oh, I, was in a, I was in a web ring. Yeah, too Were commercial I was in web ring. There was uh, yeah. there's a particular guy, I think called John Wu, I think, <laughs> which I always thought was a great name and he was a, a Wu-Tang web ring master because <laughs> they were masters back in then yeah, of course um i missed that uh but yeah no that was my that was my first site i, I just uh i just got online i didn't really know what i was doing but i made a, a really basic html page with uh some images that took uh, probably about an hour to download at that point <laughs> they were huge but i loved it i had like, yeah. the little flaming gifs and everything yeah it was brilliant did you use the marquee tag though? i used yeah. obviously marquee <laughs> blink all of that stuff i, I kind of wish you know you get those uh, retro sites that come up every now and then like uh what was it then marvel did one recently captain, didn't um, it? captain america that yeah. was good i just wish the internet was still like that yeah. that's 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 but i heard on that that i didn't check it out myself that it was like a single canvas tag and then a whole bunch of JavaScript. They, so it wasn't even. Yeah, it wasn't, I don't think it was authentic, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. but the essence was there. Yeah, yeah. So that took all of about five seconds to bring in the Wu Tang. <laughs> I don't want to be typecast. <laughs> uh, so some people might not know that um, you're sort of famous in Bournemouth because you did two talks in recent years at Redevelop, both uh, Wu Tang themed. Well, yeah. So my. my first one was actually uh, about my children and and being a parent and how it's made me a better front-end developer but in it I yeah I alluded to the Wu-Tang a lot <laughs> so, much, so much so that for my second talk I thought just ditch the children go straight go full Wu-Tang and uh, yeah did the whole thing on that so I was interested actually um, how you come up with your talks <laughs> um, I mean would you say you're would you call yourself a speaker or is this, are these one-offs no, I, don't, I mean, I'd like to be. I'd, yeah, I'd like okay. to do it more. I, I think I put in more uh, responses to call for papers and, and <laughs> call for speakers rather than, than I actually get accepted for. But um, yeah, no, I've, I've done, I've been quite lucky to do quite a few talks at a few other events, uh, some kind of bar camp things I started off on and I've done like a Google event. I've done obviously redeveloped. Um, I think it's kind of just off the back of having been a kind of 
in that teaching role in, in education I kind of got used sure, to speaking yeah, a lot yeah. okay yeah. Um, and it really it sort of helps me kind of get my mind around things is to, to put it into a talk so I've got like a, a folder full of talks that I'd love to give on a whole range of topics and, and every now and then someone asks me to actually do it in one. front of people um which is great um so yeah no i i, I wouldn't consider myself a speaker but I've, it's something i enjoy doing and it's something i'd like to do more of yeah do you have like a process where you go from an idea and then refine it you know i, I see quite a few speakers on twitter talk about the process they go through i saw one recently that said that um contrary to what most people may assume hmm. they would write out the entire speech as if it was being transcribed yeah and then they retrofit the slides to that and then they throw away the speech i yeah pretty much i pretty right. much do the same thing i mean i'm kind of putting one together now uh on some accessibility stuff that i'm, I'm sort of trying to yeah trying to get get to speak about but um yeah i'd effectively do that i've, I've kind of write out a list of bullet points that i think i want to cover fill in those bullet points with all the details you know almost verbatim what i think i would say mm-hmm. um obviously not not exact because on the day you can kind of change it but yeah i will fill out pages and pages of, of stuff and then extract from that what i think works in slides and then put the slides together mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah it's very much kind of just a, like a dumping ground of all that information up front um and then i just pick out what i think is relevant you know to fit into 30 minutes basically and there's so much that gets left behind mm-hmm. Uh, but that's yeah. It's it. It comes up again at some other point. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, your talk at Redevelop this year was about, um, as we said, about the Wu Tang Clan. Uh, uh, did I say Clan then? You did say Clan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the Wu Tang Clan. So I'm not down with the kids. It's a type of compiler. And if I remember rightly, the the message was essentially kind of how you can learn from the Wu Tangs collaborations yeah um and bring that to your to your development environment yeah pretty um much. you know sort of how do you think that's been useful in your your everyday life <laughs> i mean it's kind of it's weird i think so i spoke to quite a few people afterwards and there's a, i think it's like a divided account I'm, I'm still not sure myself if it's a tenuous link of me just trying to shoehorn wu-tang in or whether there's a legit <laughs> link there <laughs> i mean i like to think there is a legit link i think it's uh i find it quite interest in working in teams and, and being part of team dynamics and stuff but um i think having examples that you can refer to and you can look at and see as like hold up as kind of good examples of teams it's quite hard to actually find them because not a lot of people actually talk about them um so i used wu-tang because they're something that's been as i mentioned like pretty much a constant for the last like 20 odd years of my life um i'm aware of issues they've had within the team yeah. ways they've got around it and i can kind of take out from that how to apply that to my own kind of working and within teams, you know, kind of dealing with conflict, um, dealing with new ideas, like collaboration within those teams, all yeah. that type of stuff. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, people will have to go back and watch the talk, but I, I like to think that there's, there's a lot in that that is actually useful. Um, yeah. It's definitely helped me. Writing that talk definitely made me rethink how I approach working in teams yeah. Um, and I, yeah, try to articulate it in that. And I think that talk is online now. It is, yeah. Right. I think okay, there's um, we'll put a, a link in the show notes. Yeah, there's yeah, it's all on Vimeo, um, warts and all. Um, yeah, no, it's it's. I haven't watched it back um, <laughs> just because I'm really hesitant to. But uh, yeah, at some point I will. I'll, I'll show the kids one day. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I know we didn't get to talk to you in the in the after show podcast that we did, but it mm. came up with pretty much everyone, everyone yeah. uh, about about that talk. So it was definitely well received on the day. I think. Yeah, I kind of. Yeah, and again, I don't know how much of that is because it was 
so random <laughs> I yeah. think in the context but but equally I, I, I yeah I kind of I prefer doing that type of thing like even my first talk like being a developer and being a parent was pretty it was completely out of place with the rest of the talks if I'm honest on that day yeah. but that's just the way I kind of always have approached things to try to think of like uh, like a metaphor that works and I can stretch out for long enough to to apply to a real situation um yeah it just makes it easier for me um so tell us about doing front-end development so in essentially an an agency Mm. um you know and the the process that's that's maybe very different to what someone like you know myself very much a or a back-end developer yeah. um, of stuff and, and the kind of projects that we do um, are probably a little bit different to the kind of things that that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sort of interested in, in you know, what kind of things are you are you building and, and particularly thinking about uh, with modern front-end development, it's not just HTML and CSS these days, right? So you're building very rich applications um, you know, on the front end. Yeah. Whereas in days gone by, you know, a front end developer was maybe just wanted to make it look nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a difficult one because I, I sort of subscribe to that, that so I don't want to call it old school because I, I think it's perfectly relevant, but that approach of to be a good front end developer, you do need to be great at HTML, CSS and JavaScript, like mm-hmm. those core things I don't think have changed. And I think it's really important to have those. But you're right, I think certainly even within projects that we've working on there, there's been more of a shift to, you know, what you would consider some of the back end work has been picked up by feds. Um, so, you know, picking up those new skills, like changing our way of working has, it's definitely come up and it's it's a difficult one to kind of stay on top of, if I'm honest. I think where we work, there's, there's quite a, a what's the word quite a distinct division between those roles um so we do get the opportunity if we you know i'm a front-end developer that is my specialty i will focus on the front end of sites you know we have back-end developers Mm -hmm. that we obviously work closely with but there's a line there and while it gets blurred every now and then and you know sometimes we'll kind of go over do back-end stuff sometimes back-end devs will do some of the front-end stuff and get it horribly wrong obviously because yeah. that's what back-end devs do um but you know I, I think there's there's that division i think it's quite nice being in a in an agency that i'm in which is quite big and it and it has people to fill those roles um that said you know i think yeah you're right there's there's a lot of front-end developers who would consider themselves proficient at doing back-end things um I, I consider myself comfortable with those things. It's not something I'm particularly interested in. Like I don't care about relational databases. Yeah. I don't care about deployment. I don't care about all that stuff. Um, I mean, I care about it, obviously, <laughs> but it's not my strong point. It's not yeah. my passion, which is, I mean, uh, like you say, it's almost like the pretty stuff. Like I like yeah. the interaction that people have with a website. You know, the whole reason I got into front-end development really as a career, and the reason I'm still interested in it is I, I care about what a user sees, how they interact with that site when they get to it. So um, I think there's a, there's still a lot of value in being a specialist front-end developer. Um, you care about HTML, you care about CSS, semantic markup, accessibility, performance, all of those things. Um, and I think it's healthy to, to kind of maintain a little bit of that divide of yeah. you know, responsibilities. So do you, do you develop for a platform? So when... Um, you've got a project and it's a website mm. is it is it implied because of where you work that it will be built on 
WordPress or Magento or something like that? Or is it bespoke and every, every site you do it, it depends on what the project requirements are. I mean, yeah, it entirely depends on the client, really. So we, you know, ostensibly we have uh, a list of CMSs that we tend to work with, right. um, and we will kind of recommend those to clients based on their needs. But equally, if someone has come to us and say they don't they don't want one of those, we will explore other options. So you know, we have looked at stack builds. We've looked at um, you know headless CMS. We've looked at a whole range of things. Headless CMS is that a is that a phrase or a product? Uh, well, so a phrase. So we've looked at ways of providing a CMS without the kind of fully oh, fledged okay. enterprise yeah, solutions yeah, and, yeah. and things that we would tend to use. Yeah. Um, where we are, like you know, it does tend to end up being one of the the, the CMSs that we usually provide. Um, but that's not to say we are stuck to those. It is it's, it's entirely down to what that client needs. Um, and you, yeah, I think it's about like not to get too. Uh, too buzzwordy but it's about having that partnership with the client and seeing what they want you know we're not going to just sell them a cms because that's the one that we build with Mm. um because if it doesn't work for them it doesn't work for them and no one's going to be happy about that uh so it's meeting them up front finding out exactly what they want from it if we can do it in a in a quicker way perhaps or an entirely different way then we'll we'll offer it in a different way um so how does that work then so so if every project is it could be on a different platform mm. you're on the front end but you need access in the front end with some data yeah how does that relationship work with the back end to make sure that you've got access to it and that kind of do you know what i mean yeah yeah well i think we're quite lucky as a front end developer in the sense that you know we can do a lot of work without having real data if you like so we will use like mock endpoints and, and mock okay. data to, yeah. to flesh out a, a, a site um, knowing for where where the real data will be, and then as and when it can be handed over to a backend developer to kind of fill in the blanks. You know, obviously okay. they do a lot more than that, but that that can work. Yeah. Um, equally, you know, sometimes the backend work will get done first. So you know, if it's, if it's built into a content into a CMS, um, and they will build that CMS and effectively kind of output blank pages for one of a paraphrase, and and then we can go into that and you know do all the markup, do all the styling change it all you know style the components and actually flesh out the site it can work that way as well and, it, and again it's it's been so different you know i've only been uh, at red web like three years um but in that time the amount of projects i've worked on i don't think there's been a project which has had the exact same approach um in all of that time to be honest it's yeah it's entirely down to like i say the client down to scheduling as well you know i have like are people available to work on things is is the front-end developer available first in which case they have to do some of that work up front um if not maybe it can be at the same time yeah it's it's okay. so dependent on a whole range of variables it's quite it's yeah it keeps you on your toes What's a what's a good looking website to you? A good looking website. Yeah. So visually, I mean, I'm a quite I'm quite a fan. Other than the you know animated flames and gifs and all that stuff, <laughs> um, I'm quite a fan of like just really. I know it sounds boring, but just really simple stuff. I quite like things that make good use of color more than anything. I'm not mm. a huge sort of fan of a lot of imagery or kind of busyness. I like clean empty but colorful sites um I mean, kind of kind of big full screen banners yeah high-res images that you know the whole scrolling 
scrolling background kind of things you know, uh, parallax <laughs> are all very big these days yeah uh, i mean i, I kind of yeah i quite like that there's a time and place for that but I, i'm more interested in sort of the typography they'll use you know what it yeah. how it reads you know um i think choosing the right font and and choosing the right size of font to me is so much more important than have you got a, a nice scrolling background image um obviously there's a time and place for that and i love that type of stuff yeah. as well but yeah personally I, i've always just been a fan of uh, like kind of that minimal approach um which sounds really lazy now that i said that because obviously they're quite <laughs> relatively more yeah. straightforward to build times new roman on a plain yeah, white background that, that, right that would Can't be fine i mean there's a time and a place for that <laughs> what is your favorite font what is my favorite font i like uh so it's i like com- gotham. comic sans comic sans nah. <laughs> i like gotham as a font so it's the uh it's the font that was like, I think it was Barack Obama's official font for his campaign. <laughs> okay. um, and it's, yeah, it's used all over the place. But I just like, uh, like a sans serif, just bold in your face font. Um, for headings, that is. But for actual text, I prefer like like a Georgia, just a classic sans, yeah. like a classic serif. Just, I don't need any of that fancy stuff. I remember the days of WebSafe fonts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Try yeah. <laughs> Choose from that list of five. Yeah, exactly. You can't yeah, anything yeah, yeah, else. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like WebSafe colors. Yeah. Like I'm, still, I'm sure some people still palettes. think that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, it might not render on something, <laughs> the fridge. Uh, do you know what? I'm sure, I re- I'm sure I read something not so long ago where someone, someone made an argument that, that there's, there's still a place for that. There's still reasons why you might do that. I can't remember what it was. Okay. Uh, and almost certainly to do with something to do with you know, capabilities of different monitors, but... Yeah, no, I don't. I, I don't want I couldn't be. I think that like mentioning colors. Yeah, I, I couldn't be constrained by those. What was it like? Two hundred odd colors. It's not even know. that. I don't think. I, I don't think know. the web safe ones were quite limited. But, uh, yeah, um, I think it was like sixty, yeah, sixty four or something. Yeah, like it was it's, very small. But um, yeah. yeah, no, I think uh, having a full range of to the full gamut yeah. is, is, <laughs> is optimal. Full twenty four bit. The real question is, how do you understand Flexbox? Do I understand Flexbox? <laughs> I yes. I, I or do you I, still use tables? I, still, <laughs> yeah. I did build a good table the other day. I think there's a there's a role to be had for tables. Tabular data should be in tables, but um, yeah, no Flexbox. I th- yes, I do understand Flexbox. There's a. I think what I'm getting to grips with is is grid. I, I don't think that's um, something I've, I've had the opportunity to use in in sort of any anger really on a production site um but yeah that that'll be the next one i'm kind of moving away from fle- flexbox is old hat oh, really? we've, we've moved on this grid now so grid, well, grid, grid, grid's not part of uh, flexbox that's no oh no grids yeah so css grid is uh like a, a way of actually creating a proper grid on a site right, so flexbox okay. kind of filled that blank you know so you had f- tables then floating yeah, then Flexbox, yeah. now Grid, Grid's uh, oh, I'm, I'm Grid for 2019. I, I, I want to talk about this because it's, it's a bit of a running joke, I think, about the speed at which JavaScript, particularly JavaScript frameworks, yeah. but, but many other front-end related technologies move mm-hmm. and constantly change. And just at the point where you think, I should go and learn that thing, <laughs> yeah. you've learned it and then you discover that actually all the cool kids have moved on. Yeah. How do you cope with that? I mean, um, it is an issue. I can't lie. Um, I mean, I find it's it's getting more difficult the older I get and the less time I <laughs> yeah. have to put into it. I mean, like yeah. having. So I, I definitely used to be with that type of person who would spend my evenings learning those new things, and I, you know, was I always felt up to date with the latest stuff. You know, I could make a website in Flash. That's how I, I spent yeah. a lot of time doing that. Um, 
but having kids and, and just getting older and just realizing the benefit of having free time, yeah. it becomes harder to keep up with that stuff. I think it's, uh, I mean, I've just stopped trying to keep up with everything. I think it's completely yeah. impossible. It's not worth it. You know, I know enough about the, 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 the tools, the, the kind of frameworks that I need to work with. Um, I can build a site with Angular. I can work with Vue. Mm. I've dabbled with React. I'm not a pro in any of those things. Yeah. I, have, I literally haven't got the time to be. Um, and that's not, you know, what I consider my, my skill set. Um, but I think it's important to just have that, that kind of core solid baseline of those essentials. You know, if you know HTML, CSS and JavaScript, like vanilla JavaScript, yeah. then you can pretty much drop into to any of those kind of toolkits or, or tool sets or frameworks and, you know, get to grips with it with enough time. Like a couple of days and you should be able to put something together. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, just, I, I don't think it's worth trying to stay on top of everything. You would drive yourself absolutely insane. Yeah, it seems to me, I, I don't know whether, it's kind of acts as a bit of a reminder to me about actually how young the internet is as a technology. Yeah. You know, and literally we're only 20 years, you know, from, from when we were all using, you know, uh, Tables. You know, tables <laughs> and you know gifts under construction signs yeah. and, and all those kind of things um and so i sort of think well is it changing i suppose the question i always ask myself is is it getting better are all these things that are that are changing making the world better or are they just making it more complicated i don't know i mean it's a difficult it's a, it's a really difficult one to answer without sounding like some old fuddy-duddy like oh it was better in my day when I made sites with notepad and, and you know <laughs> and all but I, it's difficult I, I think it's making it more complex you know obviously the things that you can achieve and the speed at which you potentially can build things is is amazing you know and yeah. so, some of the tools that we have today you know I mean I'd love I'd have loved angular back when I was making that Wu-Tang site it would have yeah. you know ticked a lot of boxes for me at the time um, that I was trying to fill with frames and, you know, target, like I had like five frames going on on my page at one point and just trying <laughs> yeah. to reference them across different things was, was a nightmare. But um, it's, it is definitely more complicated. Um, and I, I, my concern is that does that put people off getting into it? Like, I don't think actually yeah. if it had been as complicated as, you know, as it is now, I'd have probably been a bit scared of it. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just, you have to go into it with a kind of sense of, you don't need to know all of this stuff. Like, what would you recommend somebody wants to get into front-end development or just development? What, where would you point them to? Where would I? I mean, I, yeah, I, I can't emphasize it enough. So I think I would get to groups with HTML, semantic HTML, like CSS, bit of SAS. I don't even think you need SAS these days. Like the amount of stuff you can do with CSS as it is. You know? mm-hmm. um, I find CSS fascinating. I love CSS. And in, in another world, I, that's all I would do. I <laughs> okay. do, honestly, it's like, it totally pushes my OCD gland. Uh, is that a thing? <laughs> I've got one. Expressing <laughs> his OCD gland. Oof, but every listener. so often I stumble, I mean, I don't follow it as much as evidenced by the, I'm out of date with Flexbox. But every so often I, I stumble across something where it's like, here's a cool thing you can do in CSS. Mm-hmm. And people are, like, there's a way I saw the other day that you're going to probably think, oh, this is dead easy, that you can alternate the color of the rows in, like, a list um, or so just with pure CSS. Whereas previously, you'd be doing that with some JavaScript mm-hmm. hooks or you'd be doing it with SAS or something to yeah. sort of pre-compile it. So 
and yet it was there in CSS all along and like just nobody knew yeah you know I mean that is quite easy but (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you're right I think I mean it's almost like a sort of programming language in itself now like the amount of stuff you can do with CSS yeah it has become a lot more functional I saw something um, uh, a couple of weeks ago and (laughs) I'm terrible for doing this I can't quite remember what it was (laughs) Um, but I'm going to say Tetris okay I don't know but someone had implemented something like Tetris in pure CSS CSS. and like I I don't even know how you would go about how you go about doing that Um, uh, I'm sure it wasn't Tetris it it maybe wasn't that complicated but it was something where you went oh no I'll tell you what it was (laughs) it was it was like a ray traced image Okay. Like literally, you looked at it and it looked like you know it, it was a glass with a lemon and a straw and a, and it looked like a ray traced image. Because uh, I was thinking pure, you can't, in pure you can't, CSS. In yeah. Pure CSS. You could literally it was a, like a JS fiddle, so right. you could go and 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 you know pull it apart and change it and see all the. But literally, just by taking shapes, skewing them, transforming them, you know they could they built up this image. I love that. I'm, I'm going to put I'm going to find it and put a link. Yeah, and we do you know so we do uh, kind of these code off sort of challenges every like every other week um, for the feds where we will pick a topic and you have to do something. And and my favourite ones are the pure CSS ones. So right. like I, I I built like a 3D hoverboard, like a Back to the Future okay. hoverboard, which rotates and spins in pure CSS. Like nice. that's the highlight of my CSS career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I was just like, even as I was doing it, I was thinking, oh, how did I do this in CSS? Yeah, yeah. Like, how have I got depth? I've got, you know, the kind of Z axis and everything in pure CSS. I'm going ha- uh, to have to find the tweet that I referenced earlier because it clearly wasn't just alternating the colours <laughs> on rows. It was something more advanced Greg, than that. Even <laughs> I can alternate the colours in yeah, CSS and I hate CSS. <laughs> it, was something, well, it was something else, but... Um, it's just going to pale in the point the point is valid though you're right I mean like there's so much stuff that you would have relied on yeah I mean JavaScript is, is a great example you would have relied on a ton of stuff in JavaScript to, that you can do in CSS so if you're, for someone going into it at the basics you know getting that that those fundamentals if you know CSS then that you know you don't need to necessarily to do some things that you would have done in JavaScript but I think for a Fed to get up to date with HTML, CSS, and JavaScript will set them in in sort of good standing. You know, I think like I say JavaScript, obviously that is a whole world in its own. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much you could do there. But I think if they start thinking about like componentizing things, um, some sort of bundler like Webpack or something like that, um, that will introduce them to a lot of concepts that they'll come across. You know, in other frameworks. Is it true? I heard that um, we all we're all meant to hate jQuery now. Yo, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, this is, this is, I, I like jQuery. I'm so I, out of I, I like jQuery. I like it as a thing, and yeah. purely because I, I don't know how much that is sentiment. <laughs> it was, it was great. It did some stuff, and I think there's probably a, a time and a place for jQuery. But I think even that, you know, there's you could just do it in vanilla JavaScript. Like a lot of the problems that that solved don't exist anymore. Like you know, being able to traverse through the DOM, being able to select things you can do quite easily in, in normal JavaScript. So, you know, what's the site? You might not need jQuery.com. I think uh-huh, it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, just to show you all the examples side by side. And, and yeah, I think we, so we don't, we don't use jQuery anymore um, as a, a rule of thumb. It still exists on obviously kind of legacy sites and older sites that we support. Um, and when I get back on it, I'm reminded of how great it was. And I think it is still great. I think it's, you know. For, well, it kind of had to exist, right? Yeah. In oh, order yeah. To, to, you know, push things exactly, along, right? exactly, sacrificial yeah. Lamb. Yeah, yeah but 
yeah, it's um, yeah, times have times. What about um, I might you might throw a glass at me. What about <laughs> things like bootstrap? I am not a fan. Why <laughs> I could have put money. For <laughs> <laughs> it's a difficult. I mean, kind of like those sort of boilerplate things in general. I've, uh, I say I'm not a fan. I, I've done. I've never used one in an actual production thing. But I have used Bootstrap. I've used Foundation. Um, they, like the, I used to have a HTML5 boilerplate thing. I think like HTML5boilerplate.com possibly yeah. used to give you kind of all that stuff. Um, and I've used them. They were great learning tools and, and really great resources to have out there. They, they were amazing. Um, and still are. I, I, mean, I haven't looked at them for a, a long time. But when I was getting to grips with how to build what I considered, you know, good components on the site, if I needed to know, you know, like a carousel and I wanted to have a reference point, what they offered was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I never used them as they were. And, you know, I, I kind of would hope that a lot of people wouldn't, <laughs> to be honest, because you end up with a lot of that kind of that everything would look the same. But to use and, and learn from and, and to build upon, they were, they were great. Yeah, they're really useful tools. Do you do anything differently in your front end career? Are there things that you wish you, you had learned or you? I mean, I, I wish I'd not spent four or five years of my life learning action script <laughs> <laughs> only for flash to, to die a horrible death i uh i made that my my specialism at the time i used to freelance doing like flash stuff um i used to teach flash like as a thing and i i feel bad for all those people i taught yeah, as well yeah. um yeah no i think uh <laughs> that did, aside, but did you learn silverlight I didn't know. I never right, learned to so you, you probably did all right. I learned then. director though, so okay. I could <laughs> I, I could do all of that stuff. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean even that. I say it jokingly, but that that put me in good stead for learning a lot of things. Obviously, a lot of the same principles apply. I think the thing I would probably change, if anything, is I'd have I'd have probably I don't know. I'd have got into JavaScript a bit earlier. I think mm-hmm. I think that was the, that's the thing that I recognise in myself as probably the the, the side I'm least proficient at you know I, I consider I've always considered myself more of the kind of the visual side of front end stuff if that makes yeah. sense um so I like to think I used to be a designer yeah. you know I, I kind of am interested in color all that stuff that type of stuff um but I think I, I yeah where I I find it harder is is jumping into JavaScript specific projects you know I'm kind of I'm okay at it I can do it um, it's not my strong point. I think I, I sh- yeah, could have probably invested a bit more time while I had that free time yeah. <laughs> to yeah. do it because I don't have that free time now to do it. Talk about sort of roles crossing over and, and designers. And the other thing that popped in my head was about UX and, and UX is often lumped in with UI, mm-hmm. you know, and there's, my observation is normally an assumption that someone who is doing front-end development uh, is also some UX expert yeah right and or you know to simplistically ux is just what looks good on the page you know do you find yourself getting involved in those kind of conversations and having to do some of that or do you think that's something best left to the specialists i mean where we so where i work there is a a specific team that do ux and they're really good at their job and and they do you know so much in that discipline that i wouldn't you know wouldn't know where to start with um that said you know i do i have an understanding of ux i certainly have an opinion on what i think works and what is a good user experience um so yeah we you know i will have an input on that and i'd like to think it's a discussion that you know can change the way we approach sites i think there's a lot of responsibility as a front-end developer to to as we're building it 
to kind of stress test it almost and, and actually see it working. It's one thing to to kind of do things in wireframes and, and you know, kind of dummy content. But I yeah. think as soon as you're actually building a site, and once it's in the hands of the front end developer, yeah. um, you can actually see these things working and you, you spend a lot more time with the site potentially, uh, depending on obviously how long the project is. And I think if, if there's suggestions that will change the, the user experience, I think it's our duty really to, yeah. to make those suggestions and changes. And how much do you find your clients getting involved in design of the site. There's quite a famous oatmeal comic. If you ever, oh, if you ever read around, the oatmeal yeah. uh, about designing websites and, and make custom. it make it pop. Make yeah. It pop. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic. Does that yeah. happen? Uh, I couldn't possibly say. Specifically. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, it's not a stereotype for no reason, is it? Yeah, I think obviously clients who are paying a lot of money for a site will always want to have an input on it and rightfully so i think they should i think we it should be a dialogue i think that's the mm -hmm. thing as long as somebody isn't coming in and, and claiming they know this is the definitive way to do it because that's not going to help anyone um if they're not doing that then i think we're open to those conversations you know and, and we should be um because we don't know definitively that it's mm -hmm. right or wrong. We yeah. can support it with evidence. We can support it with user testing. We can support it by saying we have the experience, you know, we've built these sites a lot, but I wouldn't ever dare to assume that what I've suggested is the exact right only way of doing it. It's a conversation. If at the end of that conversation, you end up being right, that's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah. but equally, I'm more than happy to change stuff on the basis of a client. You know, it's their site at the end of the day and we can only try to make it as best as we can. Have you ever had any front-end disasters? Have I had front-end disasters? Either of your own making or your... Uh, no, we have a, a robust QA department okay, <laughs> that yeah. stopped me from doing those. No, I've... Uh, yeah, I think, as I mentioned, so having that kind of, that distinction between me building stuff and and... Well, QA and the deployment and stuff, yeah, it never gets to the disaster point before yeah. it goes live. I think I've had issues, but I, I try to keep them away from the public. Um, my local dev environment is probably full of disasters, <laughs> <laughs> full of probably jQuery in there is it? and everything. It's, um, but yeah, uh, thankfully nothing too dramatic that's gone live. I am quite interested actually in the, um, the agency process. Mm. I, don't, I don't I've never worked in an agency or really interacted uh, with one but the sort of reputation that I have is that clients are always difficult they have these very fixed scope or fixed time mm -hmm. projects and therefore uh, it doesn't fit into the sort of the current way that developers like to work <coughs> agile <laughs> um, can you talk about that a bit do you find that that you well, I mean, I don't, I don't know where you sit on that sort of line between waterfall and agile, but I think it's. Uh, I mean, again, it, it's quite often dependent on the client and and budgets and expectations. I think where we sort of, I mean, and again, I don't think we could ever profess to say we're we're true agile. Uh, likewise, I don't think we're true waterfall. I think what's the what's the cross there? Water agile, whatever the. Uh, <laughs> Is that a thing? That's not a thing. It is now. <laughs> it is now. Um, TM. The OCD gland. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like clients obviously have a budget. They have a list of requirements. Um, how you get to them is, is kind of up to us and we'll make suggestions. I think it ends up being a kind of more of a waterfall approach normally because we need to know up front what we're building, how much it's going to cost them, how long it's going to take. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I, I think the argument I've heard is that it's a bit of protection for the agency as well. Yeah. 
because they've got to control budgets. There's yeah, that. You and mentioned earlier that this contention of resource. Exactly. Scheduling is a big thing. Yeah, I think that you know. that stops, you know, breaking away from that. We need to know how long we think a thing is going to take, um, how much we're going to get for it, I suppose, you know, to put it bluntly, um, and who's available to do that. So I think it's, it's very difficult to, to kind of have that true agile. I mean, that said, we have been on projects with clients that have gone, you know, almost full agile kind of thing we've you know i think that the last thing i've just come off has been a, a kind of rolling thing it's you know started off as a, a relatively short two-month thing it's lasted best part of four months you know because they they knew that that's what they were going into um yeah. and we've worked you know quite successfully with um with sprints and, and all of that stuff and it's it's been a great project you know off the back of that it's it's so dependent on you know what they are expecting okay. i think i would imagine as well that you know, as time's gone by, it would be quite hard to engage with a company that didn't want to work in those ways. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a, probably a different episode, but I was talking <laughs> with someone the other day about how, you know, w we're all agile. Mm. There's no such thing as agile anymore because we're all doing it. So now we should be talking like one level deeper or something like that. And I can imagine that 20 years ago, when it wasn't a thing, clients would be coming up saying well here you go let's talk about this for a week and then I'm going to go away and come back when you're done I can't imagine a project manager these days would engage with an agency no. in that model no and it yeah. wouldn't work at all yeah it was, they it, would come in and say right here's what we're trying to solve mm -hmm. like work with us yeah, yeah. well I hope that's mine well no I think that's probably what we find you know and, and to, to answer the question I don't think we've had I, I certainly haven't had a, a nightmare client that's resistant to suggestions or resistant to change. You know, I think everybody, yeah, you're right. I think uh, sort of these days people know what they're getting into, I'd, I'd like to think. Yeah. Um, certainly it's been my experience. You know, the people we've worked with have always been open to conversation. have always been open to dialogue. You know, I kind of mentioned that, that sort of that phrase partnerships and stuff but yeah, that's yeah. I mean it really needs that and you know just having that that two-way rapport where you can feel free to make suggestions so they can feel free to make suggestions um and, and ultimately you're all working to get to the the best thing you can possibly get to and I think as long as people understand that everybody tends to be pretty chilled about that type of you know whatever approach you take as long as you're getting to that decent outcome mm. that's the important thing really So we're kind of hitting time here, Matt. Hmm. So I've, I've just got a couple of rapid-fire questions for you. <laughs> okay. Favourite HTML element? Favourite HTML element? Oh, my gosh. I was not expecting that. Um, <laughs> I like... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I quite like embed. Do you know why? Oh, okay. Just because it brings in just a whole, a whole different world of, of possibilities. You know, you can videos you can embed flash <laughs> you can embed flash <laughs> you're not going to tell me that all your sites are just you embedding they're flash just embedded, like, yeah no they're just a single thing with a bit no i just i just i suppose i don't know so it would either be embed or an image thing an image tag just something that has the possibility of bringing a lot of visualness to it's like visualness visuality and uh, your favorite hex color uh it's ff0082 and that oh, is, that was straight away. I would, I would have a, said eight three, but you know, <laughs> each to their own. It's a, it's a, 
I mean, you can look it up, but that color has made it so genuinely has made its way into every single project I've worked on. For <laughs> I like the fact is that your signature. I, I, lo- I love the fact out. that you actually had one. <laughs> genuinely, about fifteen years, every single site I've worked on, even if it's not part of the brand guidelines, or anything, it is in there somewhere. That is my uh, that is my little kind so of. So it's, it's a kind of purpley. It's a hot pink. A hot pink, and it is—it's a strong hot pink. It is a good color. Genuinely, that's almost everything. (laughs) I'm amazed uh, that you. I saw some research a while ago about you could predict who wrote some code using machine learning (laughs) because of the way people tend to write. Yeah. So I think we should. well, try think, try I mean, and find yeah. all of your sites <laughs> you should, based I mean, on uh, you should, I, I think the, the instance of this right color. I think that's probably right. I think it. I think it is an art form. Like, I think people don't appreciate like the the kind of the uniqueness you can have for writing CSS, for instance. You know, everybody's approach is different. It's that can be difficult. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, yeah. within teams, is why we have guidelines and stuff. But yeah, it's an art. It is. It's like writing a poem. Good, Matt. Thank you very much. Yep. It's really thank interesting you. to talk to you. It's been a pleasure. And uh, we'd love to have you on again at some other point. I would love to. I've got all sorts of views about full stack development. Don't get me started. Oh, my life. (laughs) (laughs) There's another episode. Cool. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks to Matt there. That was a great conversation. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it. Obviously, he's a very passionate front-end developer, which is great. He to is. see um, and he certainly made me feel uh, like I've got a lot to learn um, I've got everything to learn <laughs> you won't catch me doing front end stuff no no uh, although in a, like I said in another life I would quite like to to be uh, that passionate I might start an action script though do you think do you think now's so, a good time <laughs> I think yeah I think it's you know is it cyclical cyclical <laughs> I don't even know what that means <laughs> <laughs> like fashion is it going to oh, come yeah. back? Oh, yeah, almost know? certainly. Yeah, yeah, retro stuff. Yeah. Although this that conversation did make me, um, you know, sometimes you, you think, oh, I wish I'd said that uh, after the the case. And uh, the bit about the tweet where I saw some nifty CSS trick, um, I just wish I could find it because it was much more complicated than uh, how it came across in the come conversation. On, Greg, admit you've only just learned how to do alternating <laughs> colours on tables, haven't you? Honestly, it was really clever, wow, but I can't, man. I can't find it. So, um, oh, can I give you some breaking CSS news, by the way? Yes. Which I saw in the intervening period since we talked with Matt, uh, which is that I think the W3C have ratified a new standard for CSS to introduce nested. The nesting, yeah, I saw uh, that CSS. Which I mean, you can already do it in, in SAS, SAS and yeah, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that would standards. be pretty cool. Although one of the questions they did want to ask him was about. Um, browser support because of course back in the day it was all like won't work on IE we'll work on you know Netscape or whatever and I I wanted to ask him whether we still have that problem now because you get situations like that so when do you know when you can use it and when you can't you know that kind of thing well I think you just wait long enough it'll just be Chrome yes (laughs) Yes. so maybe come back in a few years alright so thanks again to Matt um, and uh, yeah I hope you enjoyed it thanks Greg Thanks, Mark. See you later. Bye.